Here we are. We are doing a series on our statement of faith. Uh, if you haven't been around the last few weeks, that's what we've been doing. We've been going through what we believe as a church. These are our foundational doctrines. So, it, you know, it's really good to, uh, to re-examine that, isn't it? And remind ourselves, what is it we're building church upon? Uh, and we started looking at the whole section about God. Uh, and we had several weeks talking about God, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, and last week, if you're here, uh, Roger uh, talked to us about the Bible and what we believe about the Bible. Uh, now, this is the first Sunday in Advent. So yes, the countdown for Christmas. My wife is super excited. The tree is already up. If you drive by our house when, when it's dark, the lights are on. Uh, and so we, we are now looking at the section of our statement of faith about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and specifically, um, well, let's, let's look at it. If we could put up uh, this section from our statement of faith, uh, it says, The Lord Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, and lived a sinless life in obedience to the Father. So this morning, I'm going to speak specifically about the virgin birth. Now, I don't know about you, I can't remember hearing a sermon specifically about the virgin birth very often. Um, so, I, so I've not been able to pinch anyone else's material. But uh, we're going to explore this a little bit together. But uh, before I do, I just, I just want to pray. I think it's, it's always good because you don't want to hear from me, do you? You want to hear from God. Uh, and so let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're here. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. And I just, I just pray as we, we look at this together that you will be enlightening our hearts. I want to pray for fresh revelation this morning, uh, that you would come and that you would anoint each one of us. Amen. 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 Um, I don't know about you, the way I think, I, I like to think big picture. Uh, so what I mean by that is I, I like to understand the context of something before I get into the detail. Um, so what I thought is, is I thought we could have a little bit of audience participation and we could play a game together. All right, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you a picture of something close up and I'm going to ask you to tell me what the big picture is. Okay, now don't be shy, you can shout out. Uh, most of the kids are out, but you guys, you know, feel free to shout out or if you're a big kid, you can shout out too. Can we put the first one up? So. What is this? Any guesses? A mushroom? Sorry? Cereal? A plant on your desk that we can't remember the name of? Prawn crackers? I can see where you're going. Shall we, shall we have a look and see what the answer is? It's a bell pepper. Did anyone even think of that? No? Okay. All right. How about the next one? Sorry? Venus flytrap. Anyone else? It's tricky, isn't it? Telephone wire? Ooh. Getting warmer. Should we have a look? It's a guitar. 
You see how difficult it is if you look at the close-up. Let's one more, shall we? Close-up picture. Can you figure out what it is? Sorry? No, not hair. Ooh, strings of a heart. Spider's web. All very good, but completely wrong. Show you a look. The edges of a book. See, there's, um, there's a point to this game, as you may have guessed. Uh, we're looking at the virgin birth together. And the virgin birth is it's like a detail within God's big story of salvation. And it's a small but important detail of, of this big picture. So before we look at this detail, I thought I'd just very quickly take you through God's big story of salvation. Now, I'm going to try and tell you the whole thing in less than three minutes, okay? So hold on to your seats. I'm going to stick close to my notes um, because I know Ray's timing me as well. Um, this is the big story of God's salvation. So God pre-exists in eternity, in perfect community with himself, in the Trinity. Roger spoke on that at the beginning of October. He is perfectly complete and harmonious within himself as God. But as an expression of his love and his glory, God decides to create the universe with the pinnacle of his creation being man and woman. God enjoys a perfect relationship with this man and woman in a perfect creation. Everything is in harmony and balance. But man rebels against God, breaking this harmony and creating separation between man and a holy God. This rebellion and the separation has consequences. Death and decay enter the equation. But God's not surprised. He already knew this was going to happen. He already has a plan for this. And Paul alluded to this a bit when he spoke on the immutability of God a couple of weeks ago. God makes a series of covenants or promises with chosen people throughout history. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David. And he, he gives his chosen people, the Israelites, a set of laws to live by and a sacrificial system to deal with their sin. Except it doesn't actually deal with their sin, but it points forward to God's final solution for sin. Then God breaks into history by being born as a man, still fully God, but becoming man as well. And he, Jesus lives a perfect life, remains sinless, and then ultimately dies on the cross, bearing the whole of mankind's sin, past, present, and future. But God demonstrates that sin and death are dealt with by raising Jesus from the dead. And he then ascends into heaven, still fully God and fully man, 
And there he intercedes for us until the time comes for him to come back and finish his work of redeeming all things from this separation from God. And in the meantime, we get to have a relationship with him when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. There we go. Was that three minutes? <laughs> That's the big picture of God's salvation. That's the big story. Um, and then there's this detail of the virgin birth. And this, this doctrine uh, is some, somewhat contentious. Down through the centuries, there's been lots of uh, discussion about it. It's probably the thing the world ridicules most about our faith uh, or considers a complete myth. Um, and that thinking can, can pervade the church as well. Christians can be embarrassed to talk about the virgin birth. Uh, theologians and academics have discussed all sorts of ideas about it. Some have proposed that this uh, virgin birth is just a theological statement or a philosophical idea rather than a literal fact. But it's clear that the early church considered this a fact rather than an idea. Uh, and I think it's important just to be clear what we believe here. We believe that the virgin birth is a literal fact. And not just that, but we believe it's important to understanding who Jesus is. So important that we've included it in our statement of faith. Irenaeus, who was a, a Greek bishop in the second century, wrote this. If one does not accept Jesus' birth from a virgin, how can he accept his resurrection from the dead? Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, If you really do believe that the babe in the manger in Bethlehem is the second person in the Trinity, and that is the truth, then I cannot see that there is any difficulty about this doctrine of the virgin birth. Indeed, I would find myself in much greater difficulty if I did not have the doctrine of the virgin birth to believe. So why is this important? Well, firstly, the virgin birth demonstrates that Jesus is fully God. John 1 uh, puts it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. This is talking about Jesus of Nazareth. In eternity... Involved in creation long before he's born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger. And that means that Jesus is not just a man who has become divine. He's not just a man who has somehow attained enlightenment or some new spiritual level. No, Jesus is God. Jesus is God the Son the second person of the Trinity, eternal, pre-existing before all things, in fact, involved in the creation of all things. About 700 years before Jesus was born on earth, uh, the 
Jesus, the Lord gave him, a, a, Isaiah, this promise. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, it means God with us. There's, there's no idea, I think, that is bigger than this, that God with us. Uh, it, it's quite incredible to think that God himself has broken into human history. He has chosen to take on flesh. This is the God who walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden has now become a man like Adam and Eve. John 1 again goes on to say this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Remember, this is not God's plan B. This is not what he's done to try and fix what was broken. This was God's plan all along. How can an eternal, holy God get any closer to the humanity that he's created? Well, he becomes human. And just let that sink in. I just I pray this morning for a fresh revelation of that because... If we really grasp that, if we really understand that, take that to heart, then we have no problem worshipping. So it's important to know that Jesus is fully God. It's, it's also important to know that Jesus is fully man, fully human as well. God has broken into human history in a supernatural way. He's not been restricted by the natural laws that he created, but he became a human fetus growing in the womb of a virgin. Luke 1 describes the dialogue between Mary and the angel. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And I don't believe that word means a maiden or a married woman. I believe that word means what we understand virgin to mean. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. That word overshadow is the same word used in Exodus 40 when God's presence rests on the tabernacle. We now know with modern genetics that only males carry the Y chromosome that is needed for a fetus to turn into a boy. And yet here there's no human father involved. God is the father. And this fetus grows in Mary's womb and is born just like any other baby, with all the blood and the slime. And this baby is completely helpless. Totally reliant on his mother Mary to feed him, to care for him, to look after him. 
He would have experienced cold and hunger and pain. And he grows up just like a normal child, except there's a few clues that he's not quite like all other children. And he would have probably experienced growing pains and hormone changes and everything that human beings go through. Except he does all that in a perfect obedience to his heavenly father. And it's important that we understand that God is Jesus' father. Because Adam was held responsible for that original sin. Part of the consequences of that rebellion, that sin, was that our very nature as human beings was corrupted. Sin begat sin. And it became part of our nature that we inherited from our parents and they inherited it from their parents and so on and so forth, going right the way back to Adam. If you don't believe me, then take a good look inside yourself. There's something within us that just goes against God's perfect ways. I can't explain it, I can't understand it, can't always control it, but it's there. When I see a sign that says, don't walk on the grass, I want to walk on it. That's probably the most innocent example. But we have inherited sin like a genetic disease. Do you know, I remember when our daughter Mia was first born, and I remember looking at her laying in her crib in the hospital room, and, uh, and I, was, I was praying for her. And I was thanking God for her and the precious gift that she was. But I was also praying for her salvation. Because I knew that she needed Jesus, even though she was only hours old. Because she'd inherited my sinful nature. But because Jesus didn't have a human father, he didn't inherit that sinful nature. He was guiltless from the very start. And that's important and explains a little bit in 1 Corinthians. For since death came through a man, that's Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Because Jesus is disconnected from that inherited sin, because he's broken that line, he doesn't carry the same sin of the world. But instead, he bears that sin on himself on the cross. Jesus is described as the second Adam. He is fully human, and yet he also is starting a new, redeemed humanity. The virgin birth is a supernatural event. Our salvation is supernatural. God knows we are helpless because we have inherited sin. But he intervenes, taking all of that sin on himself on the cross, making it possible 
for you and me to have a relationship with a holy God. And at the same time, giving us a new nature in Jesus, a new heart that actually wants God's purposes. So I started off by saying that this is a small but important detail in God's big plan of salvation. It's important because if Jesus had inherited sin, then he could not have dealt with our sin on the cross. And we would still be helpless and separated from God. If Jesus was not fully God, then he was just another man. And his death means nothing. And we are still helpless and separated from God. And if Jesus was not fully man, then how could he identify with us and our sin? And we are still helpless and separated from God. But the good news is this. Jesus is fully God. He chose to be born fully man. Born of a virgin so that that line of sin is broken. He chose to bear the full weight of humanity's rebellion and sin, past, present and future. He dealt with that sin, cancelling the consequences when he died. And then he demonstrated his victory over sin and death by raising to life again. Hallelujah. And all of this to fulfill God's plan that he had right from the very start. The virgin birth is important because it demonstrates that Jesus is fully God and fully man. It demonstrates that our sin is dealt with in him so that in him we can be reunited with God. We can know him. We can walk with him. We have that relationship with him both now and into eternity. I hope that you somehow grasp something of the importance of this to us, to the big picture. This small detail is a really important part of the big picture of God's plan of salvation. And we're going we're gonna to break bread together in just a moment. And there's, there's so many aspects. When we break bread, when we take communion together, there's so many aspects to communion. Uh, we remind ourselves the bread reminds us of Jesus' body broken on the cross. The blood, sorry, the wine reminds us of Jesus' blood, which is the new covenant, the new promise that God has made to us. We do it together as a church in unity to remind us that we are one in Jesus. And we know we do it temporarily. We only do that until Jesus comes again. But I just want to invite you, as we take communion together in just a moment, let's also remember Jesus, fully God, fully man, born of a virgin. God's perfect plan, Jesus' perfect sacrifice 
making a way for us to be reunited with God after that separation in the garden. Taking away our guilt and our shame and instead giving us a new heart full of love and joy and peace. Uh, Musicians, I don't know if you want to take this opportunity to grab some bread and wine before you come back and serve us. We're going to We're going to take communion together and then we're going to go back into worship. I think that's such an appropriate response when, you know, when we're confronted with these truths. But I just want to say, if you're here this morning and you've not put your trust in Jesus, the bread and the wine are there, but please just sit quietly and think about these things that I've shared. But at the same time, there's an invitation this morning. You can know this Jesus. You can have that relationship with him. You can know what it is to have a new heart instead of that heart that's rebellious, to have that heart that that loves Jesus and goes after him. And if that's something you'd like to explore more, I'd love to talk to you or come and talk to Roger Or talk to someone else that you know. If you do know Jesus this morning, then as we take communion together, please take take some time to thank him. Take some time to remember this incredible truth that God has become man. Emmanuel, God with us. Born of a virgin, breaking that line of sin so that he is perfect in the perfect position to be our representative. He fully identifies with your humanity and my humanity and at the same time makes a new, redeemed humanity. We're going to come back into worship together in just a moment. Uh, But as we take communion together, I just want to read these verses that are very familiar to us from 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Amen.